One ending is also a beginning, and after the Washington Commanders close out their 2023 season on Sunday, it's time to get started building a new future. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, become an insider, and from there, You'll get news, inside scoops, exclusive content like insider mailbags. We've got film studies of draft prospects, free agents, things like that coming up directly to your phone. No searching, no apps, no hashtags. You just open your messages, and there I am uh, invading your cell phone with all kinds of hopefully good things. Most of the insiders seem to appreciate the things that we do there. Join the Locked On Commanders Insider Program now. Be in the know all the time. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Again, to sign up, I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, everydayers, appreciate your continued support for the program. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's $150. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's episode, we are going to be joined by Kevin Ostriker of Locked on Ravens to share his insight into two potential hiring candidates, hire candidates by the Washington Commanders this offseason. We've got three topics of conversations stemming from Sunday night's game uh, discussion. But first, we're going to start with what happened on Sunday night and more importantly, what it means. Not a full game breakdown because as we all know, this game by and large outside of the official standings and the draft positioning, which is what we're going to talk mostly about, it doesn't fully matter necessarily in the grand scheme of things. The Washington Commanders lose to the Dallas Cowboys 38-10 to 10, uh, because of it and because of some help from teams like the New Orleans Saints, for example. Uh, the Washington Commanders now have secured officially the number two pick in the NFL draft. Because of that, they also have the number 36 and the number 40 picks. Uh, 40th picks in the second round, the 40th pick coming via the Chicago Bears in the trade for Montez Sweats, um, 67 and 100 also in possession of Washington, 167, both coming in the third round, uh, one of those via uh, the trade for Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers. So they have three picks in the top 50, four in the top 100. Uh, they've got 70 to $80 million, depending on the estimate that you believe with the snap of a finger can easily make that 100 or more than $100 million in salary cap space. And there are two prohibitive contracts on this roster that I see and prohibitive just meaning that they're really hard to move on from. If you would choose to move on from them, not that they need to move on from them. One of those being Terry McLaurin who signed his big deal. Um, that thing is still fairly early on a lot of dead cap space involved in that. So if you were to try to move Terry McLaurin, you would have a lot of dead cap to deal with. Not that that's going to happen, but he is one of the prohibitive contracts on the roster. The other one belonging to Deron Payne, who also had a, has a relatively fresh deal. So again, the dead money involved in that fairly prohibitive. Other than that, you're free and clear. Uh, you can you can release trade anybody that you want to. 
Uh, and I highly expect I, I'm thinking some people are thinking like 50% roster turnover. I'm thinking 60 to 70% roster turnover. Uh, the next time you see the Washington Commanders on the football field, I expect that you're going to see a much different team uh, for better or worse. We'll have to see. We'll be, we'll be along for that ride just like we were along for this one. Right. But bottom line is right now, this team is in prime position to really shape it the way that it wants to in the eyes of Josh Harris, in the eyes of whatever executive vice president, president of football operations, uh, team president, whatever, you know, general manager, head coach, whatever they want to hire, whatever minds uh, they want to bring in to join the likes of Eugene Shen, uh, the analytics guru who's already been brought in by Josh Harris staff. They're now in prime position via the NFL draft to take a young franchise quarterback if that's the route they want to go or they can trade back with another team that wants to go up and get that that young quarterback and get prime trade capital, draft capital for doing so. Specifically, the New England Patriots, New York Giants, Tennessee Titans, and the Atlanta Falcons are all in the top eight and could be looking to move up to go get one of those quarterbacks. Now, draft pick trades within same divisions, not totally rare. So when you see the Giants listed there, you might kind of flinch at first. Typically, uh, you don't want to do that. But again, it's not completely rare. However, if the Giants were going to trade up to get a quarterback... I don't know, man. You might you might have to uh, up the ante on that one, or you might just have to say, "No, we're not gonna we're not gonna make that move for you to get a quarterback." But not saying that Washington themselves aren't gonna go take a quarterback. We don't really know that strategy until some other pieces fall into place. But just acknowledging the possibility that if they choose to go a different route, they've got a prime spot here at number two to trade back a couple spots, three spots, four spots, even uh, still net a very very good player in the NFL draft, but also stockpile some picks for the future. Uh, as well. Plenty of time to flesh those things out. And believe me, we're going to have a ton of conversations uh, about coaches, GMs, executives, decisions, non-decisions, contracts, non-contracts, trades, non-trades, uh, profiles, and, and prospects, and all those things come up here in the next few months leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, but it also means, unfortunately, or unofficially, uh, anyway, that Ron Rivera's time has come to a close. Again, that news is not official as of this time, but the, the, the writing has been on the wall for weeks, if not months uh, for now. Ian Rappaport reporting uh, along with Tom Pelissero Sunday morning that the expectations that Ron Rivera is going to be let go Monday. And even Ron, you know what I mean? Like he's he's maintaining this. I haven't been told. I don't know uh, all these things. We'll see what happens. But I mean, he then answers questions that are kind of rooted in like looking back at your time here and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, it, again, it's not official. Um, I will be I'll be in Ashburn early uh, Monday morning for a locker room clean out and all that stuff, talking to some of the guys that are around there. And again, I expect that locker room to look a lot different uh, this time next year than it did, uh, than it's going to tomorrow and and right now. But, you know, the writing is on the wall. So this is kind of, I'm not going to be able to do like an emergency podcast when that news breaks because, I mean, that, that news could break at like 4 o'clock in the morning while I'm sleeping to get to Ashburn uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Or it could break as I'm driving or right as I'm pulling up to the facility. Either way, I've got a busy morning talking to these guys as they get ready to head out for the off season. Um, and then I'll be coming back and and doing my Tuesday episode for you guys. So, again, once the news is officially official, the next episode we will talk again just about the news being official. But it's 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 enough. You know what I mean? Like We have enough information here that we can start talking about this. And when you look back at Ron Rivera's tenure, I want to start off by recognizing something first, right? This is the hardest coaching job in the National Football League in the last 10 to 20 years, uh, maybe even longer than that, between the scandals that were going on uh, in this organization, not just with the owner, but especially with the owner, the owner himself, who he is and, and how involved and and, uh, and meddling that he was, uh, the name change situation, having cancer, all of these things. And it's not necessarily 
to feel bad for him that I want to recognize all these things, except for, you know, the cancer thing. Um, but the rest of this, like he took the job, he understood, you know, at least to, to, to a certain extent, uh, the environment he was getting into, but then he kept the job as well. And honestly, it seems like he wants to keep the job. So, you know, those, those things, so certainly put himself in these situations, but I think it's okay to acknowledge the mountain that he had to climb as the, as the coach and senior executive, as, as the general manager of this team, while he was trying to climb it, even if he put himself on that mountain. But at the end of the day, this is happening because a lot of things went wrong, not just related to the former owner, not just related to scandals and all those things beyond that. Not and not just as simple as saying, well, the team lost a lot of games. The team certainly lost a lot of games, but it's the series of fatal mistakes that I think any future team or coach or GM or podcast host or fan or media member needs to kind of remember as we try to look through some lenses of, of future decisions and future ideas and future opportunities, uh, starting up with, starting with miscast draft picks, right? And again, we're not saying as simple as just bust. These guys busted, but why did they bust, right? You look at Chase Young, uh, who was drafted number two overall, Ron Rivera's first, first, first round pick coming out of Ohio State. And basically the mantra there is I thought I could fix him. Chase Young, if you look at Chase Young today, as a pass rusher, and Chase Young, who he was at Ohio State, he's basically the same player. And you drafted that player because of what he presented, but also because of what you thought you could add to him. And sometimes uh, that doesn't work out. Sometimes it does work out. And this is why we go back to the old adage of draft based on what you know, not what you think. This is a, a pure example of drafting on what you think. You think you are able to add more features to this player when in reality, for whatever reason, whether it's relationship, uh, communication, developing, uh, whatever, it just didn't work out that way. Jamin Davis drafted to be a Mike linebacker, moved to be a will line, moved on to be a will linebacker because he wasn't working there. Not great as a will linebacker either. Basically, get caught in the trap of I thought he would develop. Guys don't get faster. You know what I mean? Like one of the things that you look at Jamin Davis's tape wasn't NFL speed. He's catching up to some guys, but some of these guys are not NFL caliber receivers, not NFL caliber tight ends, running backs. And then when he does go against NFL caliber players, that's why I was a surprise when they reached as far on him as they did. And it's kind of basically panned out Jahan Dotson strong rookie year followed by a not so great sophomore year we've got film study on him coming up uh here in the early part of the offseason so we'll dive more into Jahan Dotson Emmanuel Forbes drafted for production not for traits the traits didn't translate to the NFL uh, at least they haven't yet and certainly Emmanuel his story is far from being done and then you look at the traits for Chase Young and Montez what when guys check out you got to check them out you got to let them go instead of holding them hostage at the desk let him walk. And this kind of is, is something that we're going to talk about with Jonathan Allen. If Jonathan Allen is checked out on this team. The best thing this team can do is move on with him and for him. It's best for him. It's best for the organization. I think they waited too long to move on from a guy like Chase Young. I think Montez Sweat got kind of caught up in the, in the wash uh, along with that ownership setbacks. Um, Ron Rivera has kind of hinted many times over his tenure here that he kind of wanted to start with a young quarterback earlier than he did with Sam Howell. Well, you're looking at Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett. I know some of these guys haven't moved, worked out where they did land. Doesn't mean they wouldn't have worked out where, where they are now, or if they were here now, uh, doesn't mean that they would have either. But the bottom line is there were quarterback options for Ron Rivera to potentially go after if the ownership at the time wasn't so obsessed with bringing a veteran trying to rush to a finished product instead of building a finished product the way that Ron says he wanted to. So there were some good things for Washington in their final game. Terry McLaurin eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving for the fourth straight season, becoming the first Washington receiver to ever do that. But one insider wants to know what took so long. Well, that answer coming up next on today's episode of Locked on Commanders, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
And this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board because it has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place for you to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and oftentimes don't have the time or the resources to do effective hiring themselves. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and it's easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listener, first view to your first listener for your view today and every day. Every day is come back tomorrow. We got more to talk about with this offseason program, and we've got we're talk to players again, like I said, and we'll have some some news officially dropping uh, pertaining to the future of this organization. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports twenty four seven streaming channel on YouTube, so make sure you check that out as well. Locked On Sports today here for you twenty four seven covering the top sports stories of the day with your local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We've got three topics of discussion that came from insiders. I do this every game day. Insiders get text messages from me throughout the game. We're, we're talking back and forth, and at the end of the game, I ask them to, to present topics of conversation. I take three of them uh, that we're going to talk about here on the episode. Usually, it's the last segment of these games or these game episodes, but because, again, the game itself is kind of the footnote in the whole storyline, we're going to move that here, and then we've got Kevin Ostriker of Locked On Ravens joining us to share some insight on a couple of, or one coaching candidate, one GM candidate that the Washington Commanders could be, should be, rumored to be uh, interested in discussing uh, here in the in the near future. Looking at the live chat here, uh, which is, this live is going on after midnight Eastern time, so shout out to all of you who are still up or getting up and joining me here. Nate says Ron Rivera is a man. Is incredible and he has my respect him uh as a coach not so much yeah i think that's a that's a good way to put it you know what i mean the coaching uh did not work um some of the decisions some of the actions certainly a lot to be left desired there and i think ron knows that but yeah as a man i think i think it's good to be able to kind of compartmentalize uh those two things dustin addison says everything's going to be all right thumbs up smart people smart moves you know some that's something that uh that's something that ron even said you know, Sunday night to us, I'm not, it's not really officially his exit interview, but you know, it's kind of got those vibes. And if the assumptions are correct, that the, the news is going to be made official before we arrive to Ashburn tomorrow, then we won't be having our end of season press conference with him because I'll no longer be employed by the team. Um, So kind of look at that post game press conference as the end uh, interview. And he said the same thing. He said, look, no matter what happens, Josh Harris is passionate and this group is smart and they're intelligent. They know what they want. They know where they want to go. Um, So, you know, I, I think it's big, you know, Again, assuming that everything we assume is falling into place, uh, it's it's big for someone who's about to get fired by that person to also give them that type of a vote of confidence. Uh, Leafa World says Ron was good for the culture he built. The losing, uh, the losing one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the losing is you know, yeah. I get what you're saying, but there's there's a lot more to it. And trust me, these players appreciate what he's done 
uh, as well. Dustin says Sam is a QB. However, the O-line is some poo. Um, we are going to talk a lot about Sam Howell, quarterbacks, and the offensive line. So I appreciate all of you for coming through with me here early in the morning. Literally, I mean, first first listen, first view, right? If you're East Coast anyway, it's literally uh, right here in the beginning of the day. Three topics of discussion from our Locked On Commanders Insiders. One, our first one is a couple of things about Eric Bieniemy. First thing, uh, does Washington get any picks? Eric Bieniemy gets hired as a head coach. Uh, this is something I want to really bring up because I have been telling you all wrong information. That is on me, and I, I'm going to be completely transparent here. I was not aware, and this is something that I, I think was Michael, uh, one of our insiders, brought up that he had heard or read that you that the the person being hired, so the minority in this situation, would be Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has to have worked for the the organization he's getting hired from for at least two years uh, in order for that team to get any draft compensation. That was not something I was aware of, not something I had ever heard of or discussed with other people in the business. So I was like, you know what? I don't know, but let me go make sure. Pulled up the collective bargaining agreement, read through a whole lot of legalese. Uh, but basically the bottom line is, yes, that's absolutely 100% true and not something I was aware of. So the provision in the special compensatory draft pick program, I'm, I'm butchering the name of it, but basically the program that awards a team draft compensation for a minority coach being hired as a head coach or a minority executive being hired as a general manager only applies if that minority coach or executive being hired away from the team has been with that team for at least two seasons. So obviously Eric Bieniemy has only been a watch for one season. So actually if he gets hired as a head coach somewhere else, the Washington commanders don't get any draft picks for it, which is a little bit of a bummer because Eric Bieniemy once again is expected to be one of the hotter names on the head coaching market. Personally, it doesn't change my hopes and and you know anticipation for him uh, that maybe he's going to get his opportunity this season, whether it be with Washington or Atlanta or anybody else. But it does take a little bit of fun out of it that uh, the Washington Commanders will not get any draft compensation uh, for that hire if it does indeed happen. So good spot by Michael or wherever you heard or read that. Um, thank you for clarifying that. So I'm clarifying that to you guys, and we'll continue to clarify that as we get through uh, episodes here because I understand you guys don't necessarily watch every single episode. So as we bring this up, we'll kind of rehash that really quick. Uh, next thing about Eric Bieniemy, why did Eric Bieniemy not focus on getting Terry McLaurin his thousand yards until the last minute? And here's what I will say about that. Until I watched the all 22 of this game specifically, which I got to be honest with you, as we get into the offseason, my priority is not really necessary to break down the all 22 of the Cowboys game. However, if this is something you guys would want information on following up, I can certainly do that uh, tomorrow when I get back from Ashburn. Um, I don't know for sure that this wasn't like Eric Bieniemy not prioritizing because at the end of the day, you know, the play call has a primary route, but the quarterback gets the lines, got to make the pre-snap read, got to make the decision, and then it's on Sam how to get the ball out. Not saying that it's on Sam and he just didn't get the ball out to Terry. Not saying it's on EB. What I'm saying is just from watching in real time, I can't tell you where all of Sam's primary routes were uh, and whether or not the opportunities were even there for Terry to get the ball. What I think happened in the last minute that you're you're noticing is Eric Bieniemy and or Ron Rivera going to Sam and saying, hey, dude, this guy needs to get the ball like there's no option here. Like this isn't a game flow thing. He's going to get the ball, and that's why he got the ball and ultimately gets his uh, 1,000 yard season, uh, fourth straight in, in, in fourth straight in his career, first in franchise history to do that, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, number two, quarterback debates. Michael Penix Jr. playing on the biggest collegiate stage there is on Monday night against Michigan. So if you're interested in the quarterbacks in this draft class. Watch that game, the national championship game, Michigan Wolverines against the Washington Huskies. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, will be in the NFL draft. J.J. McCarthy of the Michigan Wolverines certainly could. I don't know if he's made his decision yet. Uh, could be going back to school. But it's interesting because Michael Penix Jr. 
is one of those you know top three or four college quarterback prospects in this year's draft. He's going to be facing a defense that is not currently being coordinated, but was crafted by the defensive coordinator in Baltimore that we have identified as a head coaching candidate. So multiple layers and reasons for you to watch this game because the defense that's being coached in Michigan, not exactly his defense, you know, because he's not running it, but it was birthed out of his vision and certainly is very similar to what uh, the style anyway that Mike McDonald likes to employ uh, in Baltimore. You also have Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, Drake May, other quarterback candidates that we're going to talk about and break down as the offseason moves forward. Third topic, where does the team go from here? That is a topic that we're going to discuss all offseason, basically officially starting tomorrow. Uh, but we also started talking about that last week. So if you missed any of those uh, conversations, by all means, go back and check that, those out. But then there was a lot of people that asked about Deron Payne. Uh, he was active. He started. He was out for a good portion of the game. I don't have the snap counts officially, so I don't know exactly how many snaps he did play. But I will tell you this. I a team source, I'm not usually this guy, but a team source told me that there were certain players who were actually given the option of whether or not they were going to play this final game. So you can imagine who those players probably were. And if those players that you would imagine were those players who got the option of playing or not playing were on the field is because they were doing it because they wanted to do it. So I think that's kind of a benefit, right? So if you're following what I'm saying, it's kind of a benefit. Doesn't mean they're going to play all the snaps necessarily, but they wanted to be out there with their team for their team for the last game, and that's exactly what you want to see moving forward, especially with the franchise that's struggling, trying to find a new identity. Speaking of that former Michigan Wolverines defensive coordinator, we got some insight on Mike McDonald as well as some another potential target from the Ravens organization. That is coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is all wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the postseason action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Doesn't matter if you win. Doesn't matter if you lose. The early lines for the wild card round have the Dallas Cowboys as seven-point favorites at home to beat the Green Bay Packers Sunday afternoon. While the closest contest looks to be the Houston Texans, who are one and a half point home underdogs against the Cleveland Browns on Saturday afternoon. However, the Texans aren't the only home underdogs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are two and a half point home underdogs against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm taking the Bucs and the points on that one. The app is easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like those spreads or those favorites. Uh, live same game parlays. You can bet on the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is my favorite place to go and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Get $150 in bonus bets while you're at it. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. All right, wrapping up this episode of Locked on Commanders. Super early morning, Monday morning. Uh, as we are sitting here talking, I got to be up in six hours to get ready and drive back out to Ashburn for locker day, locker room cleanout day. That is, I um, mean, waiting for the official news that Ron Rivera has been fired, along with potentially some others. You know, could happen all at once. It could be kind of a trickle down situation. We'll have to wait and see and kind of take it as it comes. Check, catch it up with the live chat uh, real quick. Lee says, David, do you think, let's say, if we hire Ben Johnson, who is the Detroit Lions office coordinator as head coach, do you think he can work with Sam as our starter? 
being though he'll lean on the run, uh, more of it's more of it's working to help Sam develop more. Um, bottom line is, I think if you're going to go with any young quarterback, you got to be able to run the ball. You know what I mean? And 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 that doesn't mean that if you can't run the ball, your young quarterback can't be successful. Like the Houston Texans, for example, like their their number one running back, Damian Pierce. Uh, was was going through a whole lot of injuries this year and not performing super great when he was on the field. But there were also moments where Devin Singletary, I know, was able to step up for them. And, you know, quick passing games, screen games. Uh, if you have an athletic guy using him, using his athleticism to roll the pocket, do those kinds of things and have a running game, super important. So in that light, I think Ben Johnson, you know, his scheme looks like it would fit uh, the kind of mold like that. Honestly, the problem with Going into next season with Sam as the starter uh, and not a competitive situation, but as the starter is that a lot of his problems that we saw come up in the later part of the season, these last four or five, six games are mental. Um, now, getting away from the game and getting away from the pressure and getting away from the stress a little bit is going to help him, presumably. But you're not really going to know how much it helped him until August, September, October. Like it's, it's you're not going to know before you need to make these decisions. And that is a big big dice to roll if you're going to just hope and trust uh, that that's going to happen, especially for a coaching staff and a GM that doesn't know him. Um, so that's, I think that's going to be pro. So I don't expect Sam Howell. What I'm saying is I don't expect Sam Howell to be the starter. Now, could he be in a competition? Certainly possibly, uh, but I would not expect Sam Howell to be the starter coming into next season. Um, Matrix says time is ticking. Honeymoon is over. The GM needs to be hired this week. He has a lot to do. I would love for these hires to go down quick um there there is a timeline for some of these things we'll get into that tomorrow now that you mentioned it we'll get into more of the timelines on coaching interviews and and all that stuff um but yeah as as soon as possible certainly at least by the senior bowl which is the last week of january we want to see these things uh get done here uh lee also says eb really thought he had mahomes here and kelsey dropping back saying 40 times a game yeah i think there's there's something to that to to talk about uh eric Bieniemy kind of irresponsibly throwing sam howell into a super heavy uh, pass, uh, pass offense. Doug says, as a leader of men, uh, managing the team through the issues off the field, I have a high regard for him being Ron Rivera. Although him saying it takes four years to build a culture, uh, and has not developed any star players. Yeah, certainly again, some, some player issues, um, have come and, uh, certainly plagued this time for Ron Rivera, which is leading to the presumed, uh, firing, um, of, of coach Rivera Monday morning, officially, uh, Dustin adds in here, uh, yo, man, B-Rob is the key. Yeah, Brad Robinson, criminally underused this season. Hopefully we see that fixed as early as next season. Uh, Ray says, Ron Rivera started out good in his first season, but uh, crapped the bed. I'm going to paraphrase. After that, he never improved, lost his coaching touch. We need an offensive and defensive-minded uh, head coach. Yeah, agree there. Um, Dustin agrees that Sam is a top backup and that Ron F Bison says, Ron fixed the organization, but not the team. I think that's a, that's a, that's a fair way. Uh, of putting it. Another fair way of putting it is getting some inside information from uh, Locked On Ravens host Kevin Ostreger. That's a terrible transition. Mike McDonald, uh, Joe Hortiz. I've, I've been brutally missaying miss uh, Joe's name. I greatly apologize to him. Um, just a whole lot of episodes of me correcting myself here. So never say that I'm not transparent. But Kevin Ostreger was nice enough to record uh, a three-minute video for us talking about these two Ravens potential candidates for hire for head coach and general manager. So let's hear from Kevin right now. This is Kevin Allstriker of Locked On Ravens providing an inside scoop on defensive coordinator Mike McDonald and director of player personnel Joe Hortiz. Starting off with Mike McDonald, he's really grown into his role here in Baltimore. 
over the past two seasons. He's been with the organization for a long time and has worked his way up to this point as he ended up working with a bunch of different positional groups over the course of the past many, many seasons and coached those guys up. Really big inside linebacker coach for them as well. Then went to Michigan for a year and obviously turned that defense around in Ann Arbor under a different Harbaugh brother in Jim Harbaugh. Then the Ravens hired him right back the following season. Really helped the Ravens provide the blueprint to this best defense in the NFL. And I think for him, he loves using a bunch of different personnel groupings, loves creeping guys up to the line of scrimmage. He uses defensive back blitzes really strategically with Kyle Hamilton, their do-it-all safety, Arthur Millette, their slot cornerback. And he's an aggressive coordinator, and that's in his DNA. But he's not going to be over-aggressive where he lives by the blitz or dies by the blitz. It's timely blitzes. And that, to me, the game sense Mike McDonald has grown. It was a little bit of an issue over his first couple games with the Ravens as their defensive coordinator last season. But he has passed almost every test with flying colors ever since then. The Miami game, when they blew that huge fourth-quarter lead week two last year, was the big turning point. McDonald's been on the money really ever since then. So he's gotten a lot of head coaching buzz around the Ravens, around the league, obviously. And the organization loves him. His players loves him. He's a player's coach, a guy that really connects there and I think would be a great hire for any team is their next head coach. I know that he hasn't had a ton of defensive coordinator experience in the NFL, but sometimes you just know, and I think that's the sense around Baltimore right now with Mike McDonald. Moving on to Joe Hortiz, director of player personnel. He's somebody that, again, has been with the organization as well for a really long time, has worked his way up through the ranks, and they really value his opinion in Baltimore. General manager Eric DaCosta and even former general manager Izzy Newsom, they value the input of other people in that department, scouts and, and others as well. Teams do it differently sometimes where it can be the just the voice of one guy. That's the final decision. But Joe Hortiz, he has built himself into that Ravens culture and how the Ravens scout players, draft players. And he is one of the most important pieces. He's gotten general manager looks in the past, the Giants last season. He had an interview with them. So he was a candidate for their general manager job. Feels like, again, like McDonald, a matter of time before he gets a general manager opportunity somewhere. And whoever hires him, if that time does come, we get in a really good one. So two very up and coming coach slash personnel guys in Baltimore that I'm sure the organization would not like to lose from their perspective, but they support their guys and going out, getting new opportunities and promotions. So if McDonald or Ortiz was hired, of course they'd support them and they've been big in what the Ravens have been able to do over the course of their tenures with the Ravens. All right. That's Kevin Ostreicher locked on Ravens. Big thanks to Kevin for dropping in on us and dropping some knowledge on those two gentlemen who may or may not be one or both parts of your new Washington Commanders Leadership Group here in the near future. We will continue to go through some of these candidates and hopefully hear from some more Locked On uh, hosts as we go through to get the inside information on these candidates. Coming up tomorrow, I will be coming back from Ashburn Locker Room Cleanout Day, expecting the official uh, announcement of Ron Rivera's termination. Obviously, a statement probably coming from Josh Harris and probably a tweet from Magic Johnson and all those things. And we'll talk about those. And more. In the meantime, you got questions or comments, throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me directly by going to joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Become a lock insider today. Get all kinds of bonus content and text messages directly from yours truly. As always, thank you so much for making locked on commanders your first listener, your first view today and every day. Every day, or thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Till we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind. We'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>